Philippians chapter 4, beginning of verse 6. And the Lord is here. And what he just said by tongues and interpretation, he is here to do. Be careful or anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I want to talk to you today about life's secret ingredient. And you may be seated. Sunday after Thanksgiving, for many of us, the focus this past week has been on food. I know Thanksgiving, thanking God, but our holidays have a lot to do with food. A lot of cooking that's gone on in America this past year. Uh, Our kids are out of town this year with their wives at their family, so my wife and I ate out on Thanksgiving Day with some other family. But, you know, a lot of cooking goes on this week. The first American Thanksgiving was a feast of turkey, venison, and fresh produce. In case you don't remember hearing about this the real way, it was a multicultural event, and no one was abusing anyone that day. Americans love Thanksgiving. And I recognize that in our church, uh, there are a lot of people who did not grow up. In America, we have a a large contingent in our church of men and women from other countries. We have a large number of Africans who are part of our church family. And you probably didn't grow up with our same Thanksgiving traditions. But if you attended one of our African dinners, you would know that it is still all about food. Brother DJ can give me a witness, and those of you that have been can give a witness. This week, the week leading up to Thanksgiving, this past week, Americans spent $201 million on whole turkeys alone. How many of you called the Butterball Talk Line? Can I see your hands? I'm shocked. A hundred thousand questions are answered every year by the Butterball Hotline. You didn't even know it existed, did you? Next Thanksgiving, put a call in, tell them I sent you, you get a discount. No. A hundred thousand questions. Like, what does it mean when that little thing pops up that plastic? Is that can you eat that or not? On average, and it varies by whatever you read, you know, Americans eat something like between 3,000 and 4,500 calories on Thanksgiving meal, including 229 grams of fat. That's why you feel like you do right now. Three of the most calories on Thanksgiving is... Pecan pie or pecan pie, if you're from South Georgia. Americans consume 736 million pounds of turkey on Thanksgiving Day. They say it makes you sleepy. 
That's like the weight of the Empire State Building in New York. That's how much that is. And the total cost for Thanksgiving is like $445 billion. We spend a lot of money eating turkey and stuffing on Thanksgiving. Now, you know, there's a lot of Thanksgiving traditions, and I know you have yours, and in our family we have ours, and it changes through the years, and depending on what region of the country you're from and from your background. <clears throat> Several years ago, my wife and I went to Ohio. We took our boys. We went to Ohio for Thanksgiving to her home, and, of course, that's the north, and they have, they have their particular dishes there. I did get corrected because... Uh, on one particular dish. So we had a little fun on the table. We had the table like north to south and we drew a line. It was the Mason-Dixon line. We didn't fight the Civil War, in case you're, you know, getting all worried right now. On the north side of the, of the Mason-Dixon line was, was bread. I said, this morning I said dressing, but it's not, it's stuffing. I got corrected. It was bread stuffing and oyster dressing on the north side of the line. On the south side, hush your mouth, we had cornbread dressing and collard greens. I knew there were some spiritual people here. Speaking of cornbread dressing, in a recent survey, it was determined that my mother's recipe for cornbread dressing was the best recipe in the entire country. Now, I was the only one taking the survey, <clears throat> but I determined that the way my mom did it and the way my wife learned that Yankee wife, the way my wife learned to make it, she can make it exactly like my mom. In fact, we had some this past week, even though we ate out on Thanksgiving Day, and uh, we had, I had some dressing at the restaurant, and it was terrible because it wasn't my mom's recipe. <laughs> you know, that's the way it kind of is, and, and recipes are funny things, you know, like you can get almost everything right, and it still is wrong. You know what I'm saying? You're missing some ingredient or some ingredient is just different. It's not fresh. It's not the right quality. It's not the right quantity. Uh, Brother Seche, uh, his family hails from Hungary, 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 the Hungarian paprika because of the soil it's grown in, you know, like Vidalia onions. It's just different. And if you want real paprika, I can get a witness from Brother Seche, you've got to get it from Hungary. Because the soil, that's how, that's how recipes are. It makes all the difference in the world. My, my wife has a lot of recipe books, like a drawer full of recipe books. And there's, there's this one book, and she's had some of these dishes cooked by the author of the book that were a little different. But in the book, for some reason, it'll say like some ingredient, like sage, for example. But it won't tell you how much. Or there will be some little ingredient that is omitted from the recipe so you can't make it exactly like the originator of that recipe. Now, in Atlanta, 
You know, we're known for some famous recipes around here. Uh, if you like Chick-fil-A, you know, the secret ingredient is not a secret anymore that they marinate their chicken breasts and pickle juice, and that's what gives it the moisture and the flavor. And probably the most favorite or famous secret recipe in all the world is what? Coca-Cola. It's called Merchandise 7X, secret ingredient. It has been a secret since it was invented in 1886 by John Pemberton, and it is in a vault in the Trust Company Bank of Atlanta, and I've heard that it's not even both pieces of it in the same place, but I'm not for sure about that. Kentucky Fried Chicken, you know, it's got 11, right, herbs and spices, but go to your cupboard and open your spice rack cabinet or whatever and just pick out 11 spices and make KFC and it's not going to be the same thing. But if you go to Louisville, Kentucky, in a vault there is that secret recipe. A few weeks ago, we had some guests in town, guest speaker and a guest missionary passing through. So we took them to Mary Max Tea Room, and I said, you know, you can get dessert here if you want, but a block away, there is a Krispy Kreme donut shop. <clears throat> and I'm pretty sure the hot light is on. And by the mercies of the Lord, the hot light was on. Went down there and had an infusion of glucose with a Krispy Kreme donut. The recipe to the original Krispy Kreme glazed donut is locked up at the company's headquarters in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And only a handful of employees have access to it. And if you share it, you're going to court because it happened before and they sued over sharing that recipe. Secret ingredients make all the difference in the world. So today I want to tell you that there is a secret ingredient to life. There's probably more than one. Maybe there's 11 herbs and spices in the secret recipe. But I want to tell you about one ingredient that is a game changer for your life. It will separate a good life from a great life. It'll make all the difference in the world, whether you're contented or discontented. The secret ingredient will often determine the, the difference between success or failure in your life. And I can guarantee you that it will determine the success or failure of your relationships in life. This ingredient will make you a better person. It will make you more generous and it will make you a more kind person. It will make you happier, even though you don't try to get happier. All you need is the secret ingredient that is an attitude of gratitude in your life. If you add thanksgiving to your life, you're going to be a better person. It is the secret ingredient to life. Now, I know some of you already guessed it. You say, Pastor, that's not a secret. Well, why is it missing from the recipe of your life? If it's no secret, why don't we have more of it in our world? 
in our families, in our church, and in our life. If you're not grateful, you're not going to be happy. If you're not grateful, you're probably not going to be good. You might have a dozen other attributes or ingredients in your life that make you a really good person, but just lose gratitude, lose thanksgiving in your life, and you're going to be a lonely person because no one wants to really be around a grouchy, grumbly person very much. That was weak, but you got it. Conviction setting in. When our boys were kids, there was, a, there was a children's song. And it was such a good song, I remember the words. I did reference them to check on myself. But it goes like this. Are you humbly grateful or grumbly hateful? Are you humbly grateful or grumbly hateful? What's your attitude? Do you grumble and groan or let it be known you're grateful for all God's done for you? Now, let me ask you that question. What about you? Are you humbly grateful or are you grumbly hateful? If the people that know you best answered that question for you, what would they say? Because most of us have a much better magnifying glass than we do a mirror. I know what I'm saying today may sound obvious on the face of it, but think about the world we live in. There's a lot more criticism and critics and cynicism and negativity and pessimism than there is optimism and gratitude and thanksgiving. And if you will put this ingredient in your life, it will revolutionize you and people will be drawn to you instead of repulsed from you. Quit griping so much. Well, you don't know how much bad there is in the world. Oh, yes, I do. You don't know the pain I'm in. Maybe not. You don't know my situation. I'm sure I don't. But I do know the Bible. And this universal book applies to everybody, everywhere, all the time. And the Bible says that we should be thankful people, that it should be a key ingredient in our life, and it shouldn't be a secret, but it is. Amen. Now, a lot of things flow out of gratitude that are good. A lot of things flow out of ingratitude that are bad. Ingratitude guarantees unhappiness. There isn't an ungrateful, happy person on the planet. Ungratefulness leads to unhappiness. It's hard to find someone who's grateful and is just a good person. Ungrateful people 
Find the cloud under every silver lining. Ungrateful people complain about things like, like slow, free Wi-Fi. How, how, many, how many remember dial-up internet? Can I get a witness? Look, look at all the young hands that, what's dial-up? What's a dial? Uh, what's a phone? You know, like a, a, land, a landline? What's a landline? <clears throat> you remember you were thrilled. <laughs> but you connected to the whole world eventually. Now, now let it bog down. Ugh. Ungrateful people complain about slow fast food, <laughs> slow traffic, bad weather reports, their circumstances, their upbringing, the government, the economy, their spouse, life in general. And you do know why some men get married, right? You can't blame everything on the government. Ungrateful people usually have a victim mentality. Yeah, they're the victim of other people, the culture, the system. They didn't get their fair share. They've been mistreated. People with the victim mentality believe that because they've been hurt by other people, that they have permission to hurt other people, and they justify their hurtful attitudes because they themselves have been hurt. Ungrateful people are angry people because the world isn't perfect for them. They've got floating bitterness and it just lashes out wherever it just happens to land. Floats from here to there like a butterfly and it might land on you if you're around an ungrateful person. But gratitude has the opposite effect. It does bring happiness and kindness. When you are grateful, you feel good. And you know that you're blessed in spite of what you do deserve in life. When you are grateful, it causes your posture to look up to God. Because the Bible said every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And it comes down from the Father of lights. With Him is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Gratitude turns your head up toward the Lord and is grateful for the good things, for every good gift and every perfect gift comes from God. And when you're grateful, you're generous. You want to pass it on to everybody around you. Gratitude is a generous attitude. You just think freely, I have received so I can freely give. Grateful people aren't angry people. There's too much to be thankful for to live an angry life. But there's an epidemic of ingratitude in our world and a lot of it stems from the idea, the feeling that we're entitled to feel good and to have more and to be well. 
And when life does not come in at a perfect 10, then we give ourselves permission to be ingracious, to complain and criticize, because after all, we're entitled to good stuff in life. People get angry and unhappy when they don't think they're getting what they deserve. Now, I'm just going to tell you, I don't like the word deserve very much. I haven't yet crossed it out of the dictionary. I looked it up, you know, today, yesterday rather, and I found out that the, the word deserve, our English word, has a Latin root, and it means to be entitled to because of good service. In other words, because you've done well, you're entitled to receive something. I don't really like the word entitled either. So I'm going to have to cross both of them out of my dictionary. But the idea of the word deserve is that you served well, so now you get the reward of serving well. But too many people just feel entitled to everything flowing to them, even though they haven't done anything to earn it. They think the world owes them everything, and really, we're owed nothing. Now, what was that you were complaining about this morning? The long line at the store? This week, well, go go to Russia. Right after, right after we went, right after you could go into Russia and watch people standing in long lines to get whatever commodity was available if they didn't run out before you got to the front of the line. And it didn't matter what was the, in the line at the front of the line because you could always barter it. We have so very much in our world today. And here's the way I figure. God loved me when I didn't deserve it. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Scarcely for a good man, some would even dare to die. But, but while I didn't deserve anything, Jesus died for me and he gave me the gift of eternal life. And after that, what is it that you want that you don't have that is worth spending your life griping about? You see, gratitude is an attitude. It's a decision that you can make. And I've learned that the less you feel entitled, the more grateful you are for the good things that comes in to your life. Amen. I want you to think about this. You know, what about children, right? If a child gets everything they want, does it make them happy? No. Why? Because if they get everything they want, they want more. And if they get more, they want even more, thank you, and they're not happy because they want more instead of being grateful for what they have. And we're not all kids in here today, but we're pretty much the same way. And until we, 
can become content with less, we're never going to be happy with more. You've got to learn to be content with less. The apostle Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, there's some people that are proud knowing nothing. They have the idea that godliness is a means to great gain, that if they'll be godly people, they're going to get rich. He said, but that's not the way it is. First Timothy 6.6. 6. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. For guess what? We brought nothing into this world. And it is certain that we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these things, we shall be content. Because more is not the key to contentment and gratitude. It is being content, Paul said, with having something to eat, even if it's not Thanksgiving dinner, and something to wear, the necessities of life, with that you should be thankful to God. And everything beyond that is a blessing. And you don't deserve it, but God gave it to you anyway, and you're thankful because it is a secret ingredient to life. You getting it? The writer of Hebrews said, let your conduct be without covetousness. Covetousness is wanting what is not yours that belongs to him or her. Let your behavior, your conduct, be without covetousness. and Be content with such things as you have. Be content with what you have right now. Just don't live your life having to have more. Be content with what you have. As the Lord said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Why does he tie these two ideas together? Because if you are content with what God has given you in your life, and if you know that God will never leave you or forsake you, then whatever you ever need, our God shall supply all your need. You know, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. See, gratitude for what you have produces contentment. And it conquers covetousness, which is that craving for more that has eaten up our culture. If you have God, what else do you need? Paul wrote about contentment in Philippians, the same chapter that I read from a while ago. He said, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I've learned to be contented, contented 
no matter the condition of my life. Some people are never happy, no matter what they have, no matter what they're doing. And the Bible says that we need to conquer that, to be content. Paul said, I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. I know how to be a loser, and I know how to be a winner. And you're probably not going to be a good winner until you learn to be a good loser. And I've never been one to like losing, but it sure builds character. He said, I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. And everywhere, in all things, I'm instructed. In other words, it doesn't come naturally. I've learned it. I've been instructed how to both be full, Thanksgiving Day, and to be hungry, fast day. Both to abound and to suffer need. And then he says some things that, that most of you will know this verse, but maybe you didn't realize the context. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. This is not talking about leaping over tall buildings with a single bound. It is talking about going through difficulty and still being grateful to God for who you are and what you have, that your name is written in heaven, that no one can take him away from you. It is life's secret ingredient. I can do all things through Christ. Now let's get to our text. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. I want you to really get this in your heart today, in your head today. I want you to take it home. I don't want you to just come to church and you heard a sermon and we felt the presence of God and then you walk out and you're the same as you were yesterday I'm kind of, I want God to help me to have a checkup from the neck up. And let's get our head right so we can get our heart right. Amen? We've got to think right so we can live right. Be careful for nothing. Don't worry about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Now this verse, Philippians 4 and 6, is a verse about prayer. And Paul uses three words for prayer that are all slightly different, but they're all about prayer. Prayer, supplication, and request. Supplication is a petition. It is asking God for something. That's what supplication is. And each of these things are very important. Paul says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Instead of filling your life with care, why don't you fill your life with prayer? Right? Supplication, requests. This is a verse that is all about prayer. 
and it is good to pray and ask God for what you need. That's what a supplication is. It is a petition. It is a request. Paul says, ask God. He hears your prayers. He knows what you have need of before you ask. And if earthly fathers give good gifts to their children, how much more shall your heavenly father give good gifts to them that ask him? He is a generous, giving, good God. Amen. Ask. But you already see it. You already know it. Let's read it again. Be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, read it with me, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. In other words, in the middle of your prayer, pause to look up and say, God, prayer is not about give me, give me, give me. You are not a supernatural vending machine when I put in a prayer and get out an answer. You're a good God. You're my Savior. You're my Heavenly Father. And in the middle of asking, I'm going to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. It is a missing ingredient of prayer. It is a missing ingredient of the recipe of life. And it will revolutionize you. You see, prayer, when we, when we thank the Lord while we are praying, something changes inside of us. That even if God does not answer our prayer the way we want him to answer it, then we still know that God has heard our prayer. And when we're thankful, it looks back to remind us of all the times that God heard us and was there for us and that he will never leave us or forsake us, that he is a good and gracious God. Amen. It positions us with the right attitude toward God in prayer. And then... I want you to see the result of adding this secret ingredient into your life. Paul puts these two thoughts together under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I have a high view of Scripture. And he says, if you will pray with thanksgiving and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We trust God by thanking Him when we pray. And then, the peace of God, the original word there for shall keep, is like a garrison. Can you imagine a sol an entire garrison of soldiers that are around you? And this garrison is a garrison of peace. They're surrounding you. And this powerful garrison of God's strength is the peace of God that will keep your heart, your, your emotions, and your thoughts, your mind. 
by Christ Jesus. You see, it is the peace of God that keeps us from falling into anxiety. It is the peace of God that protects us from the very thoughts that lead to fear and distress. And it is the peace of God that helps us trust God when we pray. So today, I would like to invite you to add the ingredient of thanksgiving into your life every day. They used to say to teachers that you need to give good remarks with the red marks. So every time you give life a red mark, every time you're tempted to complain, every time you do complain. And by the way, there's a book called Lamentations, The Lamentations of Jeremiah. There's a lot of complaining that goes on in the Bible. I poured out my complaint, the Bible says. So I'm not telling you that you should never, ever complain. It's just that it's epidemic in our world. And there's a lack of thanksgiving. You know, the first step down of a culture that falls away from God is that they do not recognize God as God and that they are not thankful. They become vain in their imagination and their foolish heart is darkened. I want you to be thankful to the people in your life, your parents, your spouse, your family members. But more, more than just thanking a person today, I'm wanting you to, I'm wanting to turn your whole mindset. I'm wanting to change our attitude from a grumbly, hateful attitude. That instead of the first thing that comes out of your mouth is what's wrong with everything is that you would temper your complaint with thanksgiving. Yesterday, when I was exactly here in my notes studying, the presence of the Lord came over me. I know that feeling that is not emotion, it is the Spirit of God. And I felt like, that right now, in this message, I needed to say or ask, are you filled with worry and fear? Do you suffer from anxiety? Maybe even panic attacks. I want to challenge you today to add the secret ingredient of thanksgiving into your life that with prayer, supplication and making requests to God that you wouldn't just pause once a year that you would pause every time you want to complain, you want to be negative, you want to be critical, that you will stop yourself, that you will arrest your mind before the words even come out of your mouth and say wait a second Where is the missing ingredient 
of an attitude of gratitude in my life. Would you bow your heads right now? Lord, I pray today for people who are struggling with fear because your word said that fear has torment. And I pray today, Lord, for our lack of trust in you. For clearly in the scripture, anxiety is linked to a lack of trust in you. There are a lot of things that are out of our control. There are many things we wish were different. But I pray in Jesus' name that you would give us a baptism of contentment that comes from an attitude of gratitude. I pray that you would assure someone right now of the promise that you will never leave us and you will never forsake us. I pray for that person, Lord, that seems to not be able to get a breakthrough in their life when they pray They're always stuck on petition and supplication. They're always asking or interceding and they don't know how to get into your presence and just be thankful. Shift our thinking today. Shift our focus, I pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, I ask you to save someone today. I ask you to revolutionize someone's life today. I pray for a person that doesn't even recognize that I'm talking to them, Lord. Everybody knows it but them, Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help them see themselves in the mirror of the word of God and not walk out the door and forget what manner of person they are. But they would make the changes that are needed, Lord, so that they can be the person you've called them to be. So they can really be a witness of the change you bring in a person's life. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand. I know not everyone is able to come to the altar. Some of you are physically impaired and walking is painful. Some of you have small children by you you need to keep. But if you're blessed with the ability to walk, would you take a few steps today toward this altar? And would you just come? And I'm not asking you to repent right now. You can do that on the way. But would you just join me in this altar? And we're going to turn our hearts up toward God. We're going to lift our spirits toward gratitude. And we're going to counter. We're going to overcome every negative spirit every cynical thought we're going to combat all the negativism that too often permeates our culture with some gratitude toward the Lord Amen if it's been a while since you've broken through in the spirit if you'll begin to worship the Lord and thank Him Thank Him that He forgave your sins. You're going to find a change coming in your life. Amen. Before we even sing right now, would you just begin to lift your voice? If you're able, lift your hands. And why don't you thank the Lord? Thank Him. Thank Him for salvation. Thank Him for His precious promises. Thank Him for every good and perfect gift.
Amen. Why don't you thank Him? Let healing come into your mind. Let healing come into your body. That's it. You're changing your whole mindset right now. Let the Lord pick your spirit up. That's it. Come on. Come on. That's it. Praise Him. Thank Him. That's it. Say words of thanksgiving to the Lord. Let your attitude be changed and let your words reflect the change of heart that's taken place in you. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. That's it. Lift your voice to the Lord. Oh, I give you praise. That's it. Somebody is getting a breakthrough right now. Life's been bad, but God's been good.